I remember vividly the day that I fell on my knees and had my life utterly transformed. Prior to that, uh, you would probably have described me as a guy that, that felt like I was trying to live a, a pretty good life, um, grew up in Africa with, with parents who deeply loved God, and uh, I would have told you that I did as well. Um, I knew a lot about God. I wanted my life uh, to be meaningful and purposeful, and uh, I wanted to honor God with who I was, uh, but I wasn't surrendered. And that, for so many of us, becomes this key point in our lives where we learn about God, we know about God, we want to honor God, we, we want to experience uh, heaven with him and, and an eternity together with God, but, but we don't quite yet reach that moment where our lives are completely surrendered to him, and, and that's what happened to me. Until I, I went to church, and, and uh, well, I was in church week after week, but I just remember this one Sunday where something just began to stir in my heart. Something was happening. And, and through the week and the next week and the next week. And, and as I remember, it was about three weeks of just feeling like something was off, something was wrong. I finally figured out that it was God himself who was after me. I couldn't explain it. I couldn't really put it into words. It was just this, this conviction of my heart. And when I stopped and I paused and I thought about it, I knew exactly what it was. It was the love of God. I was trying to penetrate my stubborn heart so that I would walk in a, in a surrender with him. So, so that I wouldn't try to just follow him but really do my own thing. But instead, I was, I was really giving all that I had to, to him. And there came this Sunday where I came into church and there was a guest preacher actually on that day. Uh, and he stood up and began to share uh, from the scripture, from the word of God. And, and my heart was just so deeply convicted. I, and I knew I'd reached a crossroads in my life. And that afternoon, you could have just found me kneeling on the ground and, and, and just confessing to God that I was a sinner, that I was that I was a man who was not following him fully. I knew a lot about him, and I, I wanted to be known as, as someone who lived a good life, but, but really on the inside, I was still just trying to live my own way. I got down on my knees. I confessed that to God, and everything changed on that day, everything. I remember standing back up and just feeling a, a lightness and a joy that has never left me until this moment, and it never will. Something happened in that moment of surrender, something changed in my life. And so many of us all across this room and joining us by live stream can testify to that. What happens in that, in that pivotal moment where everything becomes surrendered to God? But for so many of us, it's tough to ever get to that moment because we think, well, I, I, I love God and I, I want to follow him, but I, I really don't want to give this up or, or that up or or this other thing up, and it becomes a challenge for us to, to come before God, and we have to reach that moment where we just say, I don't care. I don't care about any of it. All I care about is that God loves me, and the only way for me to have a relationship with God is for me to surrender everything that I have to him. Whatever it is in my life, I'm just going to come and lay it before him. I'm, I'm not perfect. I never will be, but I'm just going to come and lay everything before God and surrender everything to him and invite him to come move in my heart. And he will. And he changes everything. 
And from that day forward, our lives are never the same. And we're promised in the Bible to have an eternity with him. Heaven, this perfect place where we'll be, where the presence of God is, and where Satan isn't, where good is and evil isn't, where healing is, but brokenness isn't. And that's what we get to experience for all of eternity if we not only believe in Jesus, but our hearts are surrendered to him. And that surrender is the hardest thing. The Bible tells us that even demons believe that God exists and they shudder at the thought because of the fear of it. The challenge is not that belief in God and in who he is. The challenge is that complete surrender to him. And that's what the Bible is going to talk about today. We've been going through the book of Matthew which has been such a great joy and honor for us. And we've been walking through what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus had climbed this mountain. He sat down. The crowds flocked around him and he began to teach. And we've been going through uh, weeks and weeks and weeks of the, the teaching of Jesus. We're almost to the end of it. And then we'll get to uh, miracles that he does, a lot of other things that are so powerful from the life of Jesus. Uh, but here we are, as Lindsay read for us in Matthew chapter 7. And let's begin in verse 15. This is a tough passage. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm just going to shoot straight. I looked at this and I thought, why is Steve not preaching this? <laughs> this is one of those weeks where uh, you kind of dive into the deep end. And so uh, we're just going to walk through this together. And one of the things we're committed to as a church is we want to know the fullness of the Bible. And whatever Jesus felt was important to teach on, we also feel is important to teach on. And so we're going to walk through that today. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree, bear, healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. So Jesus gives a warning here. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. A false prophet, that would be someone who is talking about Jesus, maybe something, saying something in the name of Jesus, uh, but it's not true. It, it, it's not right. Now, Sometimes that's easy to recognize and sometimes it's not easy to recognize. Maybe someone is, is coming and, and prophesying about the return of Jesus. The Bible teaches us one day Jesus is going to come back and when he comes back, um, he is going to uh, lead us into a period where uh, all of us will uh, be judged and those who are, are walking with him will go to heaven and, and others will go to hell. So we know those things are true, but sometimes you hear the stories about somebody in some place that's prophesying that Jesus is going to come back tomorrow. Well, the Bible tells us that we can't ever know the day or the time when Jesus is going to come back. So you might see someone like that and you might say, well, that. That doesn't line up uh, with the scriptures. Maybe that's something I need to be uh, careful of. Um, sometimes someone will claim to be a false prophet and maybe they'll come and say that, that Jesus never actually rose from the dead. Well, the Bible says that he did. We believe the scriptures, so we know that's false. Some things are really clear. There are other times where someone will come and, and they'll begin to, to prophesy or, or talk about something that's only just slightly off. And those are the times you really have to be careful. The Bible tells us that Satan, the enemy of God, Satan, he masquerades as an angel of light. In other words, the greatest deception to the church is not something that's extremely erroneous. It's a little bit easier for us to, to discern that. The greatest deception of the church is that which is just barely, barely off. And one of the things that worries me the most 
in America today is that there's a lot of stuff swirling that is so close to the scriptures, but not the scriptures. There's so much stuff up there where, out there where you, you would look at it and you would say, that is, that is almost the Bible, except it's not. Maybe some things that historically we've known to be true that, that today you would look at and say, man, things are just shifting, shifting, shifting ever so slowly. And I think as we roll into 2021, and Steve and I have the privilege of continuing to walk through the scriptures with you, there'll be a number of things maybe that uh, they, we get to talk through as a church. And Jesus gives quite a strong warning here where he says, beware of false prophets. Now, the Bible is really clear where we are loving of all people, of all backgrounds, of all kinds, of all experiences. That's who God is. God loves all of us in this profound way, and we love each other in the same way. That's why uh, through the years historically, we've said so many times that um, we love walking through these doors because it's the broken receiving the broken. I'm broken, you're broken, we're all broken, we're all a mess, uh, but we're a mess in God together. We're covered by his love together and we love each other with the love of God. We don't carry each other's background, where we came from or who we are, we just love one another. And so the Bible's really true on that and so we love each person. At the same time, Jesus is saying, be careful if someone's a, a false prophet, someone who's going to try to teach you something that's not true and not of the Bible. Now, Jesus uses a strong phrase here. He says, uh, inwardly, they're ravenous wolves. They look like, like sheep. In other words, they look innocent, but inwardly, they would be ravenous wolves. Well, that's a warning for Jesus, for you and me, to always be discerning of anyone we meet, anyone we're around, even people where we think maybe, maybe this person is widely regarded or widely respected. I'll give you an example. When I was when I was in uh, high school, I was really influenced um, by a couple people. They were well-known in the Christian faith, and uh, a lot of people knew about them, and I followed them as well, um, until suddenly it, it came out that they weren't actually honoring God behind the scenes. Do you know what I mean? Like, like publicly, it seemed like they were famous and, and well-known, and the things that they did, millions and millions of people followed them, but, but behind the scenes, it wasn't actually that way, and, and I, I was crushed, and I, I certainly had to come face-to-face -face with this deal of, wait, do I trust what's public, or do I trust what's really happening behind the scenes? And I think Jesus is giving that exhortation to us to say, don't just follow someone because they sell a lot of books. Don't just believe everything that someone says just because they, they have a great YouTube following. Uh, make sure that you're careful just because someone has this really dynamic personality and you're going to follow them. Be careful with this thinking or ideology just because masses are claiming to believe it. Make sure whatever is going on, you're taking back to the scriptures and believing it. Some things or some people may be packaged in sheep's clothing to where it seems innocent, but inwardly, they're ravenous wolves. And there are things that can hurt you and me and the church in ways that we have trouble even fathoming if we are not discerning. It's fitting, I think, that tonight... We're going to walk through our elder ordination because that's one of the key roles the elders play. The Bible is clear on that, that the elders of the church are those who are called to, to love the church 
and to care for the church and to walk with the church in a way that's right according to the scripture. To always be looking at our world, at our, at our culture, at, at all the different influences coming in on us and saying, are we walking in a way that's honoring to God? Now, this is clear, verse 16, look at this. You will recognize them, the false prophets, by their fruit. So if you and I are exposed to someone or something, and we want to know if it's going to have a positive influence on our life, this is what we can look at. We can look at the fruit. We can look at the things that they do. Our grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear good, bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. So Jesus is saying here, if you're listening to someone who's teaching you something and you want to make sure that what they're teaching you is right and true, look at their life. Do they line up with the Bible? Do they line up with who Jesus is? And can you see the fruit of the work of God in their life? In other words, if you're listening to someone let me just use myself as an example. If I'm up here preaching from the word of God and I'm sharing things with you and then you begin to hear through the grapevine that I have massive issues uh, with, with rage and, uh, and all types of addictions and uh, I am uh, mistreating uh, my family and I'm doing a, a host of other things out here, that is, that is not the healthy fruit that should be flowing from someone who is uh, teaching the word of God. And if you are, or I am, following someone who, whose fruit, the fruit that's coming from their lives, is not honoring to God, it's something we need to pay attention to. And I hope family just want to warn us. Because in today's day and age, it is so easy to follow the number of people who have the most podcast hits, or the number of, of friends on Facebook, or followers on Twitter, to follow the people that seem to have uh, the highest amount of influence or authority. It's easy for you and me to run to those people because that's what our culture does. It's what our society does. It's, it's as if we elevate those people who seem to have the most number of followers as if they somehow have it all together. And we know that's not true. Really, if we stop and think about it, we know it's not true. But in the Christian faith, we've got to be so careful of that because just because someone has a lot of followers doesn't mean that their life is being lived in a way that's reflecting a lot of good fruit. And it's up to you and me to, to discern that in, in a really healthy way. Some of the people who can guide us the best spiritually aren't even on social media, aren't even well-known by the world, but they are humble and they are kind and they are gentle and they are loving. And the way that they care for other people around them is, is really authentic and it's really true. And, the, and their lives are beautiful and their lives are godly. It's just that they're not really well-known. And they may not be seeking you out. Maybe they're too humble for that. Maybe you've got to go seek them out. But they're around us. There are so many all throughout our church. And there are so many throughout our city. And they're the ones that we really want to be spending that time with. So if we look at our lives and we can see that we're spending a ton of time on, on social media or on YouTube or, or reading the books or watching the movies and we're, we're trying to be influenced by by a lot of people, it's always that question that I think Jesus would ask us, which is, what's the fruit from the lives of those we're being influenced by? 
and is their life and is their, their doctrine, their theology, the things that they're teaching, is it straight up in line with what Jesus is teaching here? Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is not just stopping there. There's a part two on it for us today. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is heavy stuff. This is Jesus saying that in that day, when it comes time for people to wrap up their journey on this earth and uh, to receive that, that judgment, Uh, To either be in Christ, knowing Jesus, in relationship with him and going into heaven or apart from him and headed to hell and eternity apart from him. Jesus is saying, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, as as if they knew him, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. We talked last week about how in, in, in the time when Jesus lived, the Roman Empire was the ruling empire and the, the Jewish people were, were under them. And in the Roman way of thinking, Caesar was Lord. Caesar, their, their leader or their ruler, was Lord, which meant that he was over them. Everything that they had came under him. He governed their lives in every aspect. And so this idea of Lord is is us coming before Jesus and saying, not Caesar is Lord, and not our president is Lord, not any world ruler is Lord, no one or nothing is Lord except the Lord Jesus. So I'm not Lord of my life or ruler of my life, but that Jesus is the ruler of my life. That's why that surrender is so important to us. The Bible says that for us to be saved from our sins and from ourselves and saved into the kingdom of God and the family of God, that Jesus must be Savior and Lord. The Savior part is easiest. We talked about that's just believing in Jesus and what he's done, that he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead to save us from our sins. We can believe that. But then we've also got to follow him as Lord, which means As it did for the people in the time of Jesus with Caesar, it means for us that we surrender everything to Jesus. We don't own it. It's not ours. So my family's not mine. My money's not mine. My time is not mine. My dreams and hopes are not mine. My reputation is not mine. Nothing that I have is mine. My whole life is surrendered before Jesus. Now that seems radical, and it is. It seems hard, and it is. And that's the power of the passage that we talked about last week, where Jesus said last week that there's a a narrow gate and a wide gate. And the wide gate's easy. A lot of people fall in the wide gate. That's where you do what you want to do, and you never surrender everything to Jesus. But the narrow gate is hard. The narrow gate that you walk through is the gate where you surrender everything to Jesus. And he said himself, and what we read last week, that few find it, and it's hard. And it makes sense to us because it means that we're just surrendering everything that we have to him. And that's not easy to do. And no, in my own life, it came at a time when I felt like God was coming after me to the point where I I realized either I'm going to follow Jesus or I'm going to follow myself. And I'm not going to trust myself. If I follow myself, I won't be in relationship with God. If I follow myself, I'm just trying to navigate the things of this life according to whatever my mind can come up with. And if I follow myself, I'm going to have an eternity apart from God. 
The only way to be in relationship with God is for me to surrender everything that I have to him. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. That might be those who claim to know him, but they've never surrendered to him. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's what surrender is, isn't it? It's us saying, God, I'll do whatever you want in my life. Whatever that looks like. You own every aspect of it. You might be joining us by live stream or you might be in here tonight and you've never followed God before and you're wondering what it's like to to have a relationship with him, to come into the kingdom of God and to know that, that when you die, you'll be with him in heaven. And this is the crux of it. This is what it comes down to. This true surrender where we just come before God and we say, God, we're, we're a mess, but will you just save me? And whatever you have for my life, that's what I want. And whatever your will is, I want to follow it. And I can't do it on my own strength. I'm not good enough. I'm not perfect enough. But I know that you can lead me and guide me. And so I'm going to surrender everything to you and ask you to do it. It's beautiful that we can just pray that to God. It's simple. It's freeing. And it's life-changing but it's hard. Few actually find that gate, Jesus said. And so that's why there's so many who may say, Lord, Lord, but they're not actually going to go into the kingdom of heaven. They're they're never going to enter in, but only the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. On that day, verse 22, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness who may think, how can this be? How is it that someone can prophesy in the name of Jesus and drive demons out in the name of Jesus and do many miracles in the name of Jesus, but not actually be a Christian? Not actually be who is someone who's in relationship with God. Not actually be someone who will be there in, in heaven. Well, if we think about it, prophesying in the name of Jesus, that prophecy may be true or it may be false. Maybe it's a false teacher like someone Jesus had just talked about. Casting out demons. And demons are evil spirits. They work together with Satan. And they can cause people to do a lot of, a lot of things. And demons can be driven out by the name of Jesus. Now, in my experience, it's much more powerful if someone knows Jesus and they're driving demons out. But even the Bible has stories, a story of of people who weren't following Jesus, but they were driving demons out because of the powers in the name of Jesus, not in any of us. So that can absolutely make sense. And how about doing many mighty works in Jesus' name? Seems to me that's probably the grace of God. Probably just God deciding when someone claimed the name of Jesus to honor the use of the name of Jesus and bring about some type of miracle. The Bible even tells us that Satan himself can do miracles, but those are miracles of another type. Those are miracles done by evil power instead of the power of the name of Jesus. And so Jesus is saying that many will say this to him. Look at me again at verse 22. On that day... Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy and cast out demons and do mighty works in your name? As I said last week, this is the greatest burden on my heart as a pastor, that there will be so many who may think that they are following God and in relationship with him, but they never really surrendered everything to him. 
And to be straightforward, I'm not as worried about our Hope family because I think we are striving deeply to be really authentic with each other and really transparent with the scriptures and, and really straightforward and not try to shape the scriptures but let the scriptures shape us. But I am worried in general about the way that American Christianity functions today where someone may claim just to go to church and, and live some sort of good life and, and think that that automatically means that they'll be with God forever and, and in heaven with him and never ever reach that point of true surrender. It bothers me deeply that Jesus says, on that day, many will say it to me. And I think it's something for all of us to, to be aware of. And look what he says, verse 23. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I can't even imagine the grief that maybe was in Jesus' heart, just the tone in his voice whenever he was sitting down on the mountain and sharing these words with all those who were there with him on that day. I can't imagine what it's like for Jesus to be thinking of the time when he has to say to them, I never knew you, depart from me. Those who were claiming his name, even doing miracles in his name, powerful things that were happening, but they were never in relationship. But it speaks something amazing to you and me. Jesus is not looking for miracles from your life. He's not looking for you to prophesy in his name. He's not looking for you to drive demons away. It's not what he wants the most. What he wants the most is you. He loves you deeply, passionately. He loves you. His grace and abundance poured out on your life. His mercy, the way that he cares for you, his compassion, the way that he knows you. Jesus loves you, and he wants you. All he's asking for from you is this, this surrender that can come before him and, and just say, Jesus, I am a mess, but I want you. And if you want that relationship with him and you want to walk in that relationship with him, that's what he wants. I've been so blessed, even in this past week. In the last week, I've had three really powerful conversations with some, some of the brothers um, in our church. And in multiple times, guys coming and saying, hey, Peter, I, you know, I've journeyed with God for a while, but, but I'm just going through a dry season in my, in my relationship with him. And I just want to come and, and share and talk and confess and, and pray together and Hope family, I love you so much. I'm so thankful for this journey we have together. We can just be authentic and real with one another. And we can just pursue God together. Not because we're perfect or we have it figured out, but just because we deeply, deeply love him. And I think that's what Jesus is calling us to tonight. To come before him and, and just be authentic and real and, and crave more. In just a moment, we're going to have a prayer team at the front. I want to encourage you to come and just pray with us. Whether you are a guest with us, a covenant member with us, I want to encourage you to come and pray. Just let us know what's on your heart. Let's come before God together and let's ask him to do that work and to meet us where we are. Maybe you've never followed him before. You never journeyed with him before. Let's invite him to journey with you now. Maybe you've been journeying with him for some time, but, but you're dry. You've been in a dry season. We'd love to pray with you and ask God to move. Maybe, maybe there's some area where you're not surrendered. And, and just going through this tonight, you, you desperately want that surrender, but you don't even know how to get there. And we would love to pray with you and ask God to move in your life in that way. 
Maybe, maybe you're grappling with, uh, with some other area of pain in your life, relationally or physically or spiritually. Maybe some suffering you're going through, whatever it is. We'd love to pray with you. So let me ask you to stand. Let me ask our music team and our, our prayer team to come. It's such an honor for us to, to come before a God who loves us with intensity and with a passion. And that's who he is. He cares so deeply for you. And he cares so deeply for all of us. And whether you're joining us by live stream or joining us in person, I'm so thankful that we have this time to come before him now. And as I pray, let me ask our prayer team to come. Lord God, we thank you for who you are. And we thank you for what you have given us in the Bible, in your word. The way that you can encourage us and exhort us and call us to more. We thank you for these words from Jesus. We're challenged by them to examine our hearts and our lives and and to walk in a way that's surrendered and true. Not to be caught up in the things of the world or or the things of our own life, but but to do it in a way that, that is completely surrendered before you. And we want you, God, deeply. Any of us, we can, we can look around today and just see that the world's messed up and we're messed up. Things are, things are so broken. But you give us hope and you give us joy and you welcome us in for healing and for freedom and for purpose and for life with you and an eternity with you. I just remember the day that I was on my knees and how you turned my life upside down in that moment. It wasn't like anything radically changed on the outside. It was just what happened on the inside. The joy and the peace that just took over my life. And Father, I pray for that tonight. For any in this place or joining us by live stream, we've never experienced that before, that, that tonight would be the night. And I pray for each one of us, you'd lead us in surrender and lead us in a way where, where when we reach that day and we call out to you, Lord, Lord, you say, I know you. Come on into my kingdom. And pray that as we come into this time of prayer and maybe many of us come for prayer for whatever's on our heart, that you would just stir at us. You'd move in this place. You'd work in raw power and touch us as only you can. We pray in Jesus' name.